0: Clouds still low in the sky, even at noon. Ferns which were so green in the spring and the summer bend brown by the door of our Buddha. Welcome in from the Ten Directions and good morning all you Buddhas. Morning, how do you precious, precious, precious. I remember that word from *The Hobbit*.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but right now, I'm thinking of it um, in terms of us being able to be together. No, I forgot how much I liked it. And um, also, I think I saw Sagu in New York City on the screen, and I'm pretty sure I saw Doan Sunim on the screen, and I'm pretty sure that Song Yu, one of our really oldest members, he was around same time I first arrived, up in Lorien, that's the Upper Peninsula. He's in the midst of joining us as much as he can well, he takes care of a very ill wife back and forth to the hospital and the dentist, he reports this morning. So, Song Yu, are you there? Hang in, old friend. Yeah. So, uh, Duan Sunum, I'm going to start with a story I think that you really know. Perhaps we've heard it the same number of times. It was the first, and so you don't need to take notes. You can just tell it your own version to our Mexican folks. Um, so I know sometimes I go a little long for all the note taking you have to take. So it's the first story that I really ever heard Sunam tell. Um, and he always told it at the meditation course. And since I um, took that meditation course with him about 10 times to get it, you know, then I've taught it hundreds of times and told this story too. But I have never told it at Youngman Junction before. And I don't know if any of you have even heard it, even though some of you have been around for a long time. So this is what it, what it is. And I think it really applies to us these days, no matter who we are. There's a story that's been long and strong in our Buddhist tradition. It's a story of the blind turtle swimming in the ocean. And this turtle is swimming and swimming through all kinds of conditions, uh, trying to find a particular log which has A hole in it, up through which it can climb and then rest on the log. I think all of us, at least in Michigan and Indiana, have seen uh, turtles resting in the sun on logs. So that must be the way turtles kind of meditate and hang out and relax. So this turtle is swimming and swimming and swimming looking And you can imagine in the wide ocean how it would be really rare for it to find that particular log with a hole in it to pull itself up. And so when it does find that, and it's interesting because a blind turtle cannot see. And in um, our Buddhist vocabulary, Not seen, or no light, is avidja, not no light, which also means ignorance. So there's a, a sense of ignorance. So this blind turtle, I think, just wants to see. We, the blind turtles, are blind with ignorance in a certain sense. Not that we're not originally ignorant, we're originally awakened but there's an ignorance factor that prevents us from seeing that. And that's why we're here, in a certain sense. So this is a story which the old monks and the old nuns would always tell the new, uh, uh, what would you call them, the novices when they came to the um, monastery. There was a a regimen when the novices came, whether they were men or women, they would always, after evening practice, have a mentor, and they would go into the temple courtyard, and the mentor would share teachings, would share um, corrections, would share stories. And it was a beloved time where they would learn from the older monks and nuns. And they were the that story would always be part of it, that it was so precious that the blind turtle would find that hole in order to rest, climb up and rest. And he said, in the same way, your being at the monastery is very, very precious because there is so much going on in our samsaric world, and that you are here to practice the three great learnings, is uh, shila precepts, samadhi concentration, and prajna wisdom. You are here with a community. It's also very rare because so many people are doing so many other things. I often think of that when there are football games and I can actually hear the cheers from the stadium and the streets are just packed with people. And I think, wow, I was, doing the gardening outside the wall at a couple of football games ago. And I just thought, wow, this is really something. (laughs) You know, and we put it out to our world um, that there's a big ocean of samsara. And for us, now us, we are not the novices, but we need to keep the novice spirit. We are very fortunate it's kind of rare. I mean, how, what percentage of people are doing this kind of thing right now? But here we are. So we must really appreciate this precious opportunity that we made the choice to be present that today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody's come from a different place. And I know that people are online from around the world at least around this continent, yeah. So that's the story. Let me look at my notes now. Yeah, no, the, um, the Sunim would always say, you know, in India, one part of a person's life, uh, usually before they took on a profession, they'd be a student, and then after being a student, they would go to an ashram and practice there for some time. And then they would go on with the rest of their life, being with their profession and then old age and grandparents and all of that. And in South Asia, there's a custom that first men, young men, and then in more modern times, both young men and women would always go for a time in the monastery, as short as a month, and this is usually around a year. And it said that the mothers would never let their daughters marry any guy that hadn't had done a stint in the monastery, because having a stint of practice and being in um, a monastic community and a spiritual community has a big effect on people. Therefore, it has a big effect on society, even if there's only a few. So this is our version of our stint in the monastery. Remember? Um, What was his name? Emperor Wu and his bandying with Bodhidharma, and how even though he was the emperor, he made arrangements so he could get to the monastery regularly. And eventually he gave up his life as the emperor and spent almost all time, and he helped Buddhism a lot in his time. So we're in our stint. Emily, you're here for back here for a couple of days. It's pretty wonderful, and some of you are were just here for um, a few years and a month. Yeah. So each person doing what they can, and as the old monks and nuns always said, as people began to leave, wouldn't you like to just stay a little longer? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So what are we doing? I'd like to. Uh, read to you something from one of our uh, Korean ancestors, Hugh Jung uh, So-san. And he had this um, message for followers of Zen. Sun. Sun is our Korean name for Zen. What is the vision of your own eyes like?
1: What is the vision of your own
0: eyes like? What is the realization of your own mind like? In the teachings, it is said, from the outset, everything is calm. You yourself produce this perception of gain and loss. Your mind from the outset has been level. You yourself produced this incorrect view of common person sage. Is this not a case of your going crazy? <laughs> I'll read it one more time. I should send it to you, Duan because I know it will be hard for you to get it all. But let's just take this in. What's the vision of your own eyes like? Sometimes you think things and wow, you react. What is the realization of your own mind like? In the teachings, it is said, from the outset, Everything is calm. You yourself produced this perception of gain and loss. Your mind from the outset has been level. You yourself produced this incorrect view of common person sage. Is this not a case of your going crazy? I think that's my favorite line (laughs) because it kind of makes us smile a little bit at ourselves. And we always have to because of all the ways we sometimes see things and things that we get in our minds. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, look at me right now. So from the outset, everything you do is calm. And from the Mm -hmm. outside, everything
1: has been level.
0: So then, mom called out this morning great is the matter of birth and death. And a common way of looking at it is you know, it's really fortunate to have a human birth. So that is great. And no matter who we are, whatever our human body is like, it's really a gift.
1: So it's great.
0: And great is the matter of death. And we think of death as the death of our body. But really, it's more than that. It's when we have the death of our ego. We stop trying to control my way, I, me. So in some sense, great is the matter of birth and death, is those two things I suggested, the fortunate birth and um, Letting go of ego. But if we go beyond that, great is the matter of birth. There's the question in Zen. Before you were born,
1: where did you come from?
0: And when you die, where do you go? What is that? That's what we're here about. Yeah at these different levels. The mundane level is pretty clear. And then the um, absolute level is where our Buddha nature is. And when we get that, that's the gift we have to offer the world. Every moment in our inter-beings we call, we inter-are. Once we really get that, So, our Youngman Junction, right here in Ann Arbor, Michigan, October 7th, 2021, is about the spirit of continuous practice.
1: That means doing your practice
0: all the time. And people always say, that's impossible. So that's why it's called continuous practice because you continue to come back to it. That all of a sudden, you just start again. So whether it's your wadu practice, your breath practice, whatever practice you're doing, you keep picking it up, keep picking it up. It's really important to do that. And I think it can
1: be done more than we think
0: Right here and each very moment, if we can find ways to remind ourselves, so the first thing is continuous practice the third this The second thing is a sense of urgency that we never know how long we're going to be alive and able or other people, or where we'll be, for how long. So when we have an opportunity to practice, it's urgent that we keep at it. And also it involves letting go, so these things, continuous practice, urgency, and going beyond the knowing mind. So just learning to value, don't know. I think sometimes we feel badly if we have to say we don't know, but it's really actually a wonderful thing because it allows us then to not rely on a rational mind, but to leave space for a greater mind, our Buddha mind, our intuitive mind, you asked about magic, Mo. Well, she said, oh, this practice doesn't have any magic. And so, I like that, that she said that and grumbled. <laughs> <laughs> that that, um, that you, it just means that you're not looking at it with a little more enough urgency and unknowing that you're trying to be too smart and too controlling. So this is a a matter of continuous practice,
1: urgency, and
0: don't know, don't know. A lot of times, for my working with my don't-know mind, I've learned to really value it, um, is that when I have an issue, that I cannot figure out. And I've, they say when you can't figure out something, it's like a mouse going in a horn, you know, a, a cow's horn. It gets the end and it can't get anywhere, and struggles around in there. That's when you just can't figure out something. That's a little example in our tradition. You get stuck at the end of a cow's horn. So when you get in a place like that, there's a, a way, just, Let go of your knowing mind and say, okay, Buddhas and Bodhisattvas, i like to hear a little magic now. Mm -hmm. And when you let go of that mind that seems to know so much, that's when the magic can come in. And I mean just an intuitive wisdom that helps us to deal with our part of the ocean
1: that we're swimming and swimming in. Yeah.
0: So, just here, just now, just this. Without comment. Come back to your practice. Work. Call it practice work. Over and over again just here, just now, just this. Everywhere your feet take you.
1: Without comment, no, I like this, I don't like this, oh. come back to your practice work over and over again.
0: In the great work of knowing deeply Interbeing. When we know that,
1: we sure know a lot, and we become the hands and eyes of Quan Yin Amen. <laughs> okay.
0: So we have about a half a mile an hour more of meditation now. So. I encourage you to go back with that, just here, just now, just this, with this breath. No comments, just keep coming back to it over and over again. Yeah, and, and think of that phrase from, um, that I like so much so. Is this not a case of you're going crazy? So if you feel like it's like that for you, then just go back to your practice. <laughs>
1: Okay.